What's up, Oasis? How are you? So excited to see you on our online community. I've loved over this last a couple of years how engaged you've stayed. The, the really thousands of people from all over that watch us right here on our online community. And uh, as Colton and Jessica were talking about um, right before I got up here, uh, I want to thank you for your generosity. I really believe God's moving this year and uh, specifically in that area so maybe you've been watching online for a little while and you haven't yet started your journey of partnering with us financially and believing God, that God would use you to bless this church financially. Um, I want to challenge you to, to start giving once a month. Maybe you're not in a place in your faith where you're ready to tithe or you're ready to give often, but what if you just gave one gift, even if it was a small one? What if out of the thousands of people watching now, just 500 of you said, for the next 12 months, I'm going to give at least once? to the church that's blessed me so much. I want to challenge you to, do, challenge you to do that in your faith, and I really believe God's doing something awesome. As we come together and build God's house with humility, like the series we're talking about, I really believe that prepares us for the blessings that God has for us. So today's sermon, man, I'm really excited about. I was excited last week, but I'm excited this week because I really believe the Holy Spirit is giving me uh, some biblical tools and mindsets. I would actually call it that. Um, a biblical mindset yields biblical blessings. And so many times we can have a worldly mindset, but believing for biblical blessings. And so I believe this sermon today is going to shift so many mindsets. And the sermon simply titled, based off the passage I'm reading, Ask, Seek, Knock. Ask, Seek, and Knock. And so I'm going to read Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12, and we're going to jump into it. This is Jesus talking, and he says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. I'm going to read that again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. I believe Jesus is giving us three ways to interact with God that would yield this year in 2022. I hope you're believing, not that I hate seeing those memes where it goes 2022 is a repeat of 2021. And then in 2021, we reposted 2021 is just 2020 all over again. No, it is not. Jesus would say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. For which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, you see how he slipped that in? Yeah. It's like Jesus, it was sounding really encouraging. He says, if you, who are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Ask, seek, and knock. So if this is a series on the attitude of Christ, and this is the vision of our church this year, is that we would have the attitude of Christ. If you weren't watching last week, please do. Uh, the, the point is, I really believe God is asking me to prepare you for all that God wants to give you. And so many times we don't have what God wants us to have, not because God is not good, but we are not ready for it. How many of you know that there are certain things in life you just need to be ready for? You need to be prepared for. So maybe you're thinking right now, what in the world does this verse have to do with humility? And I realized that a lot of times people don't ask for help. I don't know if you uh, uh, know this, but like, have you ever noticed that 
um, we are afraid to ask people for something. People that I've known for 20 years will text me something simple and say, oh, I'm so sorry for bothering you on your day off. Or people, you ever find out that your best friend in the world is like behind $100 on their rent and they never talk to you about it? Or people like, hey, are you busy right now? You ever seen anybody, they trick you into getting you to do something for them? Hey, well, you, got, you got any plans for Thursday? And you're like, no, I'm free. Take me to LAX. I'm like, oh man, I should have told you I was busy. But we feel like we have to set people up, get people in the right mood, pick the right time, find the perfect time to ask someone something. And I think deep down, the reason why we don't ask people for things is our pride. Whatever we can't do on our own, for example, maybe this year financially you've struggled and maybe you're not that great with getting on a budget. Have you asked someone you know is good with budgets to help you? I think we need to ask for help. If you're trying to get in shape, have you asked someone who's in shape to help you? This is an act of humility. And so I believe this sermon absolutely points to humility because the asking, that's the baseline of humility. If you, don't, if you can't even ask for help, you definitely won't seek out help. Because right now, you ever know, well, I didn't know who to ask. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is good already. See, with God, at least you, you are so prideful if you believe in God and you're not asking him for anything. And you're trying to do it all in your own strength, all with your own ability, all with your own resources, because you know God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says everything in the earth is the Lord. So if you don't ask God, right, then that is an act of pride. But what about when there's some things that you don't know who to ask? The Bible says now you graduate to a deeper level of humility where you now have to seek God on who to ask. You have to seek God on where to get that information. So then now, not only do you have to be humble enough to ask God, but now if if you don't know who to ask, or maybe even you don't even know how to ask, the disciples didn't know how to ask God, but they were humble enough to seek Jesus to say, will you teach us how to pray? Oftentimes we see someone with a gift of intercessory prayer over their life and we don't even ask them, what does prayer look like for you? You have to be humble to ask God. And when you don't know who to ask, you have to be humble to seek God. Now imagine if you've done all the asking and all the seeking and now there is something in the way from you having that. Now the Bible suggests that we have to knock. We have to take action. Do you know how many people are believing something that they're taking no action to move forward in? Humility. Because we're like, Lord, if it be your will. No, no. God's saying without works, faith is dead. There's some doors that you're going to have to knock, that you're going to have to break through. There's some blessings that are on the other side of a wall, on the other side of a door. And if you don't approach that door, if you don't knock, if you don't make that phone call, a lot of times we'll put in a job application online and wait to hear back. Because why? We're seeking a job. But we're not humble enough to call Netflix over and over again going, hey, I'm qualified. I can do this job. That takes humility. Every single job I got before I was a pastor, I sought out the job, but then I would knock. I never dropped off an application and waited for them to call me. Why? 
because I'm humble enough to seek a job, I need income, but are you humble enough to knock until you get the job? Are you humble enough to knock until you get the audition? If you go on the audition, do you follow up with the casting director and say, hey, thank you for the opportunity. I'm believing I'm a perfect fit. Is there anything you need from me? But no, we want to wait till we book it and so we can feel like we're somebody, but sometimes they might be deciding, oh, I feel like preaching because I almost knocked my photo up. Sometimes they're deciding between two people and if you would have reached out, that would have pushed them over the edge to... Oh, my God. But we're not humble enough to knock. We're not humble enough to knock. I'm a pastor, and I oversee probably right now uh, uh, conservatively 3,000 people. And do you know how many people will ask me for coffee? They'll text me, and then they'll say, well, you didn't text me back, so I was into that. They don't go to my assistant. They're not humble enough to seek. I'm going to keep asking until he has a coffee with me. Matter of fact, I'm going to seek... How do I get a how do I get a call? Now I'm not saying I'm like somebody that you, but you get what I'm trying to say. If you really want to meet with me, then you wouldn't just ask once and text once, and if I don't get back to you, that's the end of that. No, sometimes you gotta knock. Sometimes you gotta hit somebody up over and over and again. And we gotta be humble to do that. And I believe that's why the Lord has asked me to preach this sermon. Now, I said this last week, and I and I want to, and I've said this before that we look into the um, <clears throat> Greek words of certain things. They're not the same um, as in English. So when we ask somebody in English, it's like, yo, B, man, uh, you want to go get something to eat? That's asking a question in the English way. But in this translation, asking was making a verbal request, but it had the context of like asking a king or someone in higher position. So the historical context of how someone would ask is when you went to the king, you would bow down on one knee and it was like, oh, precious king, your humble servant comes before you to ask a question. What's for dinner? Like it was like literally you could be asking the most simple question and it was with reverence and with respect. When um, the Queen of Sheba went to Solomon, the Bible says she came in with so many gifts, Solomon didn't even know what to do with it. Because what does it say? Your, your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. And we took that verse because we're all creatives that it's our talent that will make room for us. But every word in the Hebrew that was used for that verse is offering, which meant you could not come and ask a king for something empty-handed. So the Queen of Sheba, when she came to ask Solomon for wisdom, the cultural context was that because Solomon had wisdom and she didn't, she had respect for him and didn't come to Solomon empty-handed. How many times do we come to the presence of God empty-handed? How many times do we come to the presence of God empty-hearted? Well, we don't have what God uh, wants us to have in our hearts. So we get in worship services and we start praying and believing God for stuff, but we've come empty handed. That's why I believe that I'm, I believe that we should give at least once a month because we can't go before our king of king and Lord of lords and ask him for stuff empty handed. And that's why I believe we need to be- deal with the issues in our heart with humility because we can no longer approach God empty hearted. I want you to ask you this question right now. Are you asking God for things right now that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, but are you approaching the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords empty-handed and empty-hearted? Jesus, this is good. 
I got nothing to give and I got nothing in my heart, but God will you. So the context of how they were asking in biblical times was there's this reverence and respect that the person that they were asking had the ability and they did not. And they went to them humble and they often had a gift and they often had the heart of the king. This is so good. So before we get all fired up about asking God for all this stuff you're believing for, are you empty handed or are you empty hearted? What do you have to give? Your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. What you have to offer, and I want to speak life over you. You have something to offer that job. You have something to offer your friends. You have something to offer your friendship circle. And matter of fact, I don't believe you're going to be complete receiving. The Bible says it's better to give than to receive. So when you're focused on what you have to give, now with confidence you can ask, because I come before you, Lord, not empty-handed, not empty-hearted open-handed and open-hearted is the opposite of empty-handed and empty-hearted. And it was with this context that people made a verbal request from a king or someone in the higher position. You see how this is leading towards humility? And seeking was when the asking didn't work. So if you don't get a job and you didn't interview the job, do you talk to someone and figure out how to interview better? Do you seek out the wisdom you need so that you know how to interview. I remember I interviewed for two jobs, three jobs once, and I remember my pride got in the way. You know, I guess they ain't trying to hire a black man. That's the stuff we say. And while there is some racism out there, do we seek God? Do we get all the information do we need? Do we seek him in prayer and saying, God, if I believe I've been oppressed, God, will you make a way where there is no way? Will you make the oppressor not oppress me? Will you do what... You're seeking God. Seeking God is the setting of priorities and the focus of the heart. When you seek God, as you get told no, it it rearranges your priority and focuses your heart not on what you were asking for, but God himself. And then knocking in this word is taking action and persevering until it happens. And so as I was praying for our incredible church community, now some of my sermons feel like um, rebukes and they're not. And, And, you know, I don't want you to feel like, oh, here he goes again telling me I'm not doing this right. But there's this beautiful verse uh, in, in Hebrews that says we should, uh, we should, motivate one another to good works. And they changed the word to motivate because motivate is easier to handle. But the original translation is we should spur one another to good works. Uh, And the spur is, is a sharp tool. So then it's basically if, um, Brandon or Grace, um, I believe God has a plan for their life and I see that they're not operating in that, then the Bible would suggest that whatever I say to them should feel like how a horse runs faster when they get jabbed in the side with a spur. So it should be like, and they go, oh, shoot. But we get so offended, right? We have feathers and we tickle people to motivate them. And the Bible says, no, this should sting a little bit because I love you. Sting a little bit. Sting a little bit. Show enough in the last dragon said, sting a little bit, don't it? If you don't know who Bruce Leroy is, please Google him and don't get distracted. But it says like our church community should be spurring one another. That's why, that's why the church ain't doing nothing because there's no feathers. How many lazy people you know you ain't said nothing to? 
How many disobedient people you know you haven't said nothing to? Because we know they're going to get mad. And so we walk around playing golf and bowling and, you know, hanging out with people, singing kumbaya and baking cookies. And we know that, people, that person ain't in the will of God. And the Bible says, spur one another. This is the year, y'all. So I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to spur you. I'm trying to get you that jab in your side because God has so much for you. So much for you. And so as I was praying for you this, this morning and over the past couple of days, I'm like, which one of these things? I've seen our church seek God. I feel like our church doesn't know how to ask God for stuff. And so while I'm going to bring up all three of these words, most of what I'm going to share to you today is, is the, the biblical foundations of asking. I'm going to say that again because I said it backwards. The foundations of biblical asking. How do we align ourselves to get the right heart to ask God the right way? And as I did a word study, which means I looked up every scripture that the Bible says about asking God, and I looked up both the Hebrew meanings and the, the Greek meanings of this word asking. And as I looked up every scripture, I tried to find a common theme. One of the things I can tell you about how to understand the Bible is that scripture will help you interpret scripture. So if you ever take something from John chapter 14 and you read it by itself, um, you're going to have a limited understanding of what it means. Yeah. If you read the whole chapter, all of John 14, low-key all of John 13, low-key all of John 15, and see how that comes together, and then you maybe Google search everywhere else in Scripture where that is mentioned, you can actually get a healthy understanding of what it means. So that's what I did with this word, asking. And I found some themes in the Bible. I found uh, really five core foundational ways uh, to biblically ask God for something. And the first one was simply this. Are you asking God with the right motives? Are you asking with the right motives? James 4, 1 through 3 is about to wreck your whole life like it did mine. And it says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what other has, of what others others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. So here is what the scripture is saying that we have to watch. One of the first reasons why we ask God for something is that we see that someone else has it. Oh, this is like it's not the Bible says no eye is seen. No ear is heard what God will do for those who love them. Can I just encourage you today that Abraham did not live a perfect life, but the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac, he was believing for resurrection. That's what it says in Hebrews 11. What that, how that inspires me is that if I was believing for resurrection, I've, I've, I've seen and know that Jesus has been resurrected. People in the Bible have been resurrected. Abraham was believing for something that up until Genesis 22, it had never happened. 
I believe Christians aren't believing that God would give them what no eye has seen, no ear has heard. What they're believing for is something somebody else has and they want it too. Their faith is coming out of jealousy. So if no one had the number one song on Billboard, we wouldn't care about it. If no one was preaching, we wouldn't want to preach. If no one was married, it wouldn't matter to us that we're unmarried. We actually want it, not because it's God's will, but because he has it and how come I don't? And it says, so we scheme or we manipulate to get it. And we don't even know if God wants us to have that in that season, but we go, that person has it. So why shouldn't I? And God needs to deal with that motivation. But here's what's even crazier that he says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Do you know how many times we want something and we start manipulating and trying to make connections and see who can, like, can somebody, like, let me, let me just go out there and see. But maybe there's something that you feel called to do in this season and God's not asking you to manipulate and reach out to people and try to get, God, I really want to do this. Will you purify my motives for this? And will you open the door? And if you don't open it, oh, I feel like preaching. Don't let me get to my last point. I'm telling you. It's not about somebody else's doing it, and, I'm, and I can do it too. It's God, I want to do this. I remember this profound moment where I was leading in church. I'm like, Lord, do you want me to lead a church, or do you, or do you want me to support someone else leading in church? The Holy Spirit said, I want you to lead a church, but not right now. I, I, and I want you to lead a church right now. Don't, don't, don't you, ever, you will never leave this church. And matter of fact, he said, I do want you to lead a church. But it wasn't this way where he told me that I had permission to leave. He just told me I'll be at Oasis forever. So that the word about me leading a church was preceded that I wasn't supposed to leave Oasis. So then now I could not leave Oasis in the seek to go lead a church. So I'm not seeking ways to lead a church. I'm seeking God, and God will open up the door. And he says, you didn't ask me. You asked everybody else, but did you ask me? That thing that you want to do in this next season, did you ask God? Hey, will you, can I do that? Or did we ask people and then get frustrated when they say no? One of the things I want to rid of your theology, and I'll say this all year long, we think that God wants us to do something, but since people haven't asked us to, then it's on us. If God wants you to do it, you're going to do it. I'm telling you this right now. It might not look like you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. He said, you don't have it because you didn't ask God. And then watch verse three. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. If you've been asking for something to happen in your life, I want you to check two things. Do I get a bigger passion to do that when I see other people with it? Ooh. And do I really want to do this for the right reasons? And don't just quickly go, yeah, it'll bring glory to God. It's all about you. No, no, no. Is this about you? This is about you. And the only way God can find out, uh, what your motives are is by saying no. What is your reaction when he says no? Do you go try to get it from, do you use manipulation or do you use prayer? And God, and seeking him going, God, I'm asking you for this. Let me seek you about why you're saying no. Or do you jump to trying to make it happen? That is the first thing that I've seen through scripture. The second thing is, are you asking according to the will of God? Because the enemy wants to turn God's will into is what I want. God's will is what you want. No, no, no. God's will is God's will. And I need to learn to want what God's will is. 
Can I just be honest? Like my pride, I don't want this. I had to learn and I'm still learning to want what God's will is. First John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So before you're, you ask, you are trying to get your motives right and you're trying to find out, is this God's will? Humility is asking for his will. Pride is asking for what you want because you think you know what's best for you. The third pattern that I have seen in, in, in the foundation of biblical asking is, are you asking because God is merciful or do you think you've earned it? Do you think you should be doing it because you're so good at it? You're so amazing. This is your talent. This is your gift. This is what your skill is. Or do you think that, that you are nothing, but God is so gracious and merciful that he would give it to you? We, when, when God doesn't move in our finances, you ever heard people say, God, what, what's going on? I tithe. Yeah. I'm doing like, I tithe, I budget. God, I don't know if I've done everything right with my finances, but can you bless me financially because you're merciful? Right. Can you? Like, you're gracious. Mm-hmm. I might not have done this right, but you're gracious and you're merciful. I don't think that any one of us is more righteous than Daniel. Uh, Daniel is my favorite prophet. A lot of people may not know this. Daniel is my favorite prophet because he took a time where the I, I don't know what you, I don't care what you think about Democrats. I don't care what you think about uh, Republicans. You are you are thriving compared to having Nebuchadnezzar as your leader. And Daniel did not compromise. The Bible says that some people searched high and low trying to find some issues in Daniel's character, and they couldn't find anything. Do you imagine someone looking for something that's off in your character and they can't find anything? The Bible says they couldn't find anything. So they had the king make up a law and say that the Israel, people from Israel could not pray. And Daniel opened the freaking windows so that everyone could see him praying. And it says, and as usual, bowed with his face. Woo, Daniel was no joke. He was humble and he sought God and he did everything that God had asked him to do. And watch the way Daniel approached God in Daniel 9 verse 18. And I don't think any of us have come near to maintaining the character that Daniel maintained in the situation he was in. And in verse 18, he says, oh my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. When we ask God, do we, do we say, I've been putting in the work. I've been doing this. God, I, I need you. No, God, I don't even know if I've been doing everything right. I'm not asking because I'm good at it. I'm asking because you're merciful. The, uh, the other pattern that I noticed, the fourth one is, are you asking in the name of Jesus or in your own name? Is this about you? Jesus was getting ready to leave his disciples. This absolutely destroyed my whole life. I read this verse and my wife will tell you, I stopped sermon prep and I ran upstairs and she was getting ready to do something. And I just started rambling about this scripture to my wife for 20 minutes because I was so wrecked by it about the things that I have asked for in my own name. And I want you to catch this. John 16, verse 22 through 24, Jesus is getting ready to leave uh, his disciples because God's gonna take them back to heaven. And he's, he's saying, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. And watch what he says to his disciples. He says, so you have sorrow now, 
but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing from me. Wait, what? So he's talking about when Jesus Christ returns and when he returns, because Jesus is coming back, y'all. We need to preach about this more. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, all believers will be instantaneously glorified, made in the perfect image of God. And all of a sudden, the day you are made in the perfect image of God, you miraculously that day have no needs and need to ask for nothing. He's saying on the day that I come back and give you the real thing that you should be asking for is that your life would perfectly reflect the image of God. On that day, you will ask me for nothing. So that means that perfect character, Perfect holiness has no needs. God doesn't need anything. Jesus doesn't need anything because he's holy. So we would commit ourselves to being holy, then we wouldn't have any needs because all provision comes through the holiness of God. So he says, when I return and make you holy, you won't ask for anything. So then he goes on to say, because obviously Christ has not returned yet. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name, which is why they didn't have what they wanted. What Jesus was telling them is in between now and the day that I return and glorify you fully, where it means you walk perfectly in my image, Between now, you don't have the character to ask me for that. You don't have the holiness to ask me for that. So now you have to humble yourself and say, not give it to me because I deserve it, because I don't have the character. You ask for that thing in Jesus' name because Jesus' name carries the holiness to release that blessing in your life. If you approach God humble like the sinner that you are and say, I'm not going to ask for it in my name. I don't deserve it. This isn't about me. But in Jesus' name, heal my family. In Jesus' name, promote me. In Jesus' name, because I come in the name that's above every other name. But when we put our own name too close to God and our own dreams too close to God and our own desires too close to God, putting those things next to God actually destroys those things. In the Old Testament, there was this statue, this idol, Dagon, in the temple. And the Bible says that they put it next to God, next to the presence of God, next to the Ark of the Covenant. And in the morning, that the statue Dagon was on the ground. And some of you, your dreams and your desires and what you're asking God for are on the ground. And so then the next day, what did they do? Same thing you and I do. We put that dream and that desire next to the presence of God, next to God. And we hold what we want God to give us in the same light and in the same level of reverence as God himself. And the next morning it was on the ground, but the head was broken off and the statue was broken off. And now they got scared. I want to encourage you, somebody. Yes, ask God. Yes, seek God. But don't you dare put that thing next to God because dreams are being destroyed right now as people put them in the same place of reverence, not even above, next to. The Bible says I'm God and no one is beside me. So it might not be more important than God, but if we're honest, some things in our life are as important as God and we put it next. 
So Jesus said, you ain't there yet. And you're not, here's the good news. When I say you ain't there yet, you're not going to get there until Christ returns. Like there's certain things you're always going to deal with. You got that sin, you got that temptation, it's always going to be there until Christ comes and glorifies you in perfect holiness. So in the meantime, I want somebody right now to put in the chat, in Jesus' name, bless my family. In Jesus' name, give me a house in LA. In Jesus' name, not in my own name because I haven't done anything to deserve this. In Jesus' name, we're in a pandemic, but in Jesus' name, we build this church. In Jesus' name, I parent my kids. In Jesus' name, send me my spouse. In Jesus' name, because when I start thinking that I'm worthy of getting married, then I ask God for a husband or a wife in my own name. I am preaching right now, but when you know you're not worthy, but he is worthy, then you use the name above every other name to activate the blessings. And some things I have in my life are not because I'm a good leader, are not because I'm a good pastor, but I've asked for those things in the name that's above every other name. I am preaching up in here. God, I wish there were people in here to shout me down. This is a great word. Are you asking in the name of Jesus or in your own name? Jesus said, until now, you have not asked in my name, but now I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to come back, and when I come back, I'm going to give you everything you need because you bear my perfect image, but in the meantime, you ain't holy enough to ask for that in your own name. The last and final thing is, are you asking in faith? Matthew 21, 22 says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So here are those five things again that seem to be this this biblical foundation for asking. Are you asking with the right motives? Are you asking according to the will of God? Are you asking because God is merciful? Do you think you've earned it? Are you asking in the name of Jesus or your own name? Is this about you? And are you asking in faith? And then once we get all that ready, sometimes God doesn't do what we ask when we ask him. And this is the time to seek God. Psalm 34, verse 10 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I am so tired of people comparing church leaders to lions. We're not lions. We're sons. We're daughters. This compares lions. This actually diminishes a lion from those who seek God. This doesn't say, y'all are like lions. You're brave, you're bold, you're courageous. No, it says, the lions will go weak and hungry, but those who seek God lack no good thing. I will take a person who's seeking me that is confused and afraid over a lion who's bold and courageous. That's what this verse said. That's what it says. That's what it says. So I don't know if the word of the Lord, in my opinion, is be bold and courageous. I think the word of the Lord is ask, seek, and find. That's what it is. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Solomon was seeking wisdom. Moses was seeking God's presence and favor. David was seeking God's heart. Ezra was seeking revelations from the scriptures. Proverbs 8.17 talks about people seeking God. 2 Chronicles 7.14 talks about people seeking the face of God. The Psalms 27, the psalmist says in Psalm 27, verse four, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of God forever. So in the middle of 
the pandemic, whoever wrote Psalm 27, I believe is David, would have been seeking God on how to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How do I dwell in the house of God and keep myself safe? Not, well, let's let this thing blow over. No, I'm just saying scripture. He said, how do I dwell? That's where I live. In the pandemic, we all had to go home. That's why God is called the house of God, not church, because no matter what, we all had to figure out a way to go home. I just got to take a pause and just sit in the glory. Nobody sought. It didn't say they sought houses. It didn't say they sought cars. It didn't say they sought careers. They, they were seeking wisdom, God's presence and favor, God's heart, revelation from scriptures. They were seeking God. They were seeking the face of God. And they were seeking a way to dwell in the house of God forever. Forever. So I want you to write this down. The pattern in biblical seeking is that we should first seek the things of God to prepare us for the things from God. The things of God are wisdom, peace, holiness, righteousness, goodness, self-control, patience, forbearance, forgiveness. When we seek God, we're not seeking stuff. We're seeking the things of God to prepare us for the things from God. And if this is a season where we're not getting the things from God, it's directly related to us not having the things of God. You don't need a blessing if you're anxious. You need peace. So if you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed and stressed, I want to encourage you, seek the things of God. This is not the time to seek the things from God. And I have found in my life, like Jesus said, when you have the things of God, that's the day you won't ask for anything. Because everyone who has the things of God has the things from God. I got to turn the page. Because I'm, I'm about to go off up in here. Somebody say, go off, Pastor Julian. Go off, Pastor Julian. And the last word is knock. And this one takes a lot of humility. Can you imagine being a Christian? Did you hear all the verses I read on asking? Imagine if you got those five biblical foundations right. And imagine if you sought the face of God and all those things happened. And you still don't have what God has for you. If I've asked and sought God out on things and I still don't have that stuff, and low key, I get mad and frustrated. I'm mad at God. Some of y'all are mad at God. You keep coming to church, but you mad. You hotter than fish grease, as my grandpa used to say. But there's a third level of humility interacting with God, and it's called knocking. Can you imagine asking masterfully, like I just read, then seeking, and you still don't have it, and now you got to knock? And, 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 and the Bible says anybody that knocks on the door will be opened. And, and if you can hear me well, imagine if God and Everything that he has for you is behind this door. And God is behind this door and he just seems to be watching Netflix, right? And maybe you don't feel like you're good enough or maybe you ever heard the difference. When FedEx knocks on my door, I always think it's the FBI. <laughs> These people are there to give you a package. And you, but you ever knock on a door and it's someone like, they don't want to disturb you? If they don't want to bother you, how do they not? And sometimes I think that's how we knock when we ask God for things. We're like, Lord, if it's your will, I'm here, your son. Oh, maybe the Lord has other things going on. I guess I'll just go back to what I was doing before. But the biblical word for knocking has the word picture 
of someone striking a door with a hammer. When you knock on what you feel God has for you in this season, it's gotta be, God is going to bring health to my family. God is going to bring provision to my life. God is going to open up doors. If I have to keep knocking until it opens, it is going to open. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to have the fire of God. This is not something where I'm going to be passive and wait God for doing. I'm not going to be at home believing God. I'm going to knock until it happens. The word picture they were using is a believer who had asked God so well, sought God so well, and now they're willing willing to fight for what God has for them, not just believe. Knock and the door will be opened. Are you knocking? Are you just asking? Because knocking takes deep humility. Because the difference between what I just did and what God does is not the same. I knock so hard the door opened. That is not what the scripture says. The Bible says, knock and the door will be opened for you. So no matter how much you knock, you can't open the door. We have to rely on God. And the Bible says that we have to be humble enough. Some of y'all have been knocking for 10 years, believing you're going to get married. Some of y'all have been knocking for 10 years, believing you're going to have a kid. Some of y'all have been knocking for 10 years, believing for that thing. And the Bible says you got to keep knocking. Some of y'all need to knock until the Lord opens the door and says, you know what? You have humbled yourself before me. You have not quit. You have not given up this thing I will do. That is the way that I believe the church is called to knock. I really believe that our church was supposed to plant locations. I believe that our church was supposed to grow in this season. And because of the pandemic, I asked God. I sought God. I wasn't willing to knock through any obstacle to make those things happen. And that is the word of the Lord for our church. That we be humble enough not to just ask, not to just seek, but knock and believe that God is going to open the door. How long have you been knocking? How long have you been knocking? Knock until it becomes rude. When we knock on doors and people don't open, we, and here's the thing about knocking. In all cultures, I don't care if it's biblical culture or current culture, no one keeps knocking. You knock a few times and if they don't open it, you leave. But he's saying, I need you to do the exact opposite of what you've been trained to do when you see a door. Keep on knocking and it will be open for you. It will. And some of you are on your 10 year, 10th year knocking and your knuckles are bleeding and ashy and jacked up. And the Lord says, don't stop knocking. Make sure you check your motives. Make sure you ask with the right heart. But I believe this is a season where the church is supposed to ask, seek and knock. And this is the greatest act of humility that we can have. So Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, that believers everywhere are, are asking God with those five foundational things that we're asking God with the right motivations, that we're asking God according to the will, that we're asking God in his name. God, that we are, we are asking with faith, God. We're asking with faith and belief, God. I really believe, Lord, that you're doing something special. So Father, would you give us the heart to seek you, to seek your wisdom, to seek the things of God, to prepare us for the things from God. And God, would you when those things still have not yet brought the promises of God in our life, Lord, we'd be humble enough to keep on knocking 
no matter how long it takes because we're believing God's best and all of this is to glorify you. So Father, we ask you to humble us, to help us be humble before you, to stop coming before you empty-hearted and empty-handed, but that we'd be uh, uh, open-handed and open-hearted as we come before you, God. And Lord, we want to, 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 for you to uh, uh, continue to shape your image in us so that everything we do brings you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you so much. I don't know what I'm preaching on next week, but it will be on humility and the attitude of Christ. Man, I hope this encouraged somebody today. Make sure you fill out a connect card. We want to connect with you. We want you to be a part of our community and we want you to be a part of this church family. I love y'all so much and I'll see you next week.